All right, church, if you all would, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 4 this morning. And this will end our time in Malachi. How many of you all are ready to be done with Malachi? Be honest. It's been like, we're like punching bags to the prophet Malachi. He's just laying it on us. And I'll tell you what, church, sometimes it's good to have that reminder, um, particularly for us as we do expository preaching, going verse by verse uh, through an entire book. Um, it, it, it takes me away from being the boxer, right? Like I'm not the one throwing the jabs. Um, it's the Word of God uh, teaching us and, and throwing uh, these jabs at us. Why? Because we are being uh, made in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, according to His Word. Jesus says, sanctify us in truth. Your Word is truth. That's why we lean on every word in the Bible. So this series, we've, we've gone through um, Malachi. It's been like six or eight weeks. I can't remember exactly how long, but uh, we started the year here and we're finishing up and we're going to be having um, an implications series starting uh, next week talking about the implications of the gospel. How does that change each and every part of our life? Um, but as we reflect on our time here in Malachi, I, wanna, I want us to be reminded how important it, it is to not just lean on the grace that saved you, but the obedience that should follow the grace which you've received. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we take um, James's words, uh, faith without works is dead, and we would, we would say, well, that's difficult to understand. And it's, it's not difficult to understand. It just takes a little bit of, of thinking in the sense that James and Paul don't contradict one another. We know that we're not saved by works. No man can boast, right? Amen, church? But if we've genuinely been saved, we're going to follow this word. And not only that, but we should desire to follow this word. David writes about the Scriptures and saying, I delight in your word. A lot of us, we, we understand the idea of delighting. We delight in um, good gourmet ice cream. Some of you like gelato. Um, I can get down with some gelato sometime. It's just not ice cream. Some of you, you have your, your preferences, things that you delight in. But David talks about delighting in the Word of God. And it's in the Word of God that we are, we're changed. We, we get the very words from God. We, we say it's like Word of God, like it's like the title of some novel book we, we just have on our shelf. But it is literally the Word of God. He spoke to His people through prophets, through the apostles, inspired and, and breathed out by His Spirit. So this word is important to us. And Malachi, as we close up here today, let us be reminded that we should not become so comfortable and so complacent that we begin to neglect the Word of God. Malachi chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, you can find one under the seats. Feel free to, to use that. And if you don't have your own physical copy of the Bible, see uh, one of us after service, and we'd love to get you a physical copy of the Bible because we love it. We love God's Word. But Malachi chapter 4 begins here saying, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves 
from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike land with a decree of utter destruction. That's God's word for us this morning, church, being an attitude. Father, we come to you this morning thankful for you and your presence here this morning and, and thankful for your provision this past week and thankful for the trials and even the rejoicing we may have experienced. Wherever we were, God, I pray that we would lay it across this morning. We would come to Your Word, not just for a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, but a word of correction. God, that we, Your people, would be sanctified and made into the likeness of Your Son. Changed not according to our flesh or not according to our will, but to Yours. That You would receive the glory. God, we, we thank You for the prophet Malachi. Not what he did, but what You did through him. We thank You for the Word given from this prophet. I pray that we would, we would leave here changed, not for a moment, but even our eternity. Our perspective of the eternity would change. Our, our urgency to share the Gospel and to love and to care for those that You've placed us around would change. God, I pray that we would not see this as, as the lone wolf mission, but God, a mission that You've called Your church the bride each and every one of us here this morning, gathering around Your Word to go back out and to share that love, that grace, and that mercy. And as Luke said this morning, to be a light. God, I pray that no one sees us, but sees You through us. God, in our weakness and our stumbling, and the, the words and the way that we fall short, God, that You would correct and You would do what only You could do and bring people to Yourself. God, we love You, we praise You, and just ask that You would move in a mighty way this morning. Teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, we've got a, a pretty basic main point, one for us to be reminded of and one for us to, to go and to remind others about. And that main point is repent, the Lord is coming. Repent, the Lord is coming. Repent, the Lord is coming. And as we close this out, I'm, I'm just going to beat the horse dead here. Because it's something that I've been reminded of week in and week out as we've moved through this book. And the reminder for me is that we, the church, capital C, all around the world has become so complacent, wondering in the moments here in America where we're like, it's not the leader I wanted. What, what is going on? The, the wicked prosper. God's people are being suppressed. The truth is being suppressed. God, why would you allow things like this to happen? And what I hear from my own groaning in the same way is, is that of the Israelites in Malachi. That of God's people through the Old Testament. Continuing this spiritual battle that we face through this life of, of why would these things happen when I'm doing what is right? And then we begin to neglect the truth. We begin to, to water down the truth. We begin to make the truth our own truth instead of God's truth. And I want to, to exhort us this morning 
to remain faithful, not to a works-based faith, but to a faith and a grace that can only be experienced from a faithful and holy God who saved us not to do as we please, but to glorify Him in all that we do. You see, our obedience has nothing to do about us or um, our platform. And we see leaders, as we've seen in the past week, as I'm sure you all have read, as, as leaders at church, they will come and go. God uses those who are apostate. God uses those who preach prosperity gospel, those who preach false doctrines. And He can get the truth across to His people however He wills. But it is not about us or our obedience or the life that we perform amongst others, but simply that our life would glorify God in all that we do. So we're reminded, repent, the Lord is coming. We've got three points to drive this home, supporting points for us, and that's promise, practice, and prepare. Promise, practice, prepare. First point is promise. We get this promise from God. And, and we've read through Malachi. And if, if you are just joining us, I would um, urge you, you can go back and you can listen to the messages or just read it, right? We're, we didn't make anything up. You can go back and you can just read it. Um, you don't have to go back and listen to three and a half hours of me preaching through Malachi. That's okay. I won't be offended. But what we see is this dispute between God and His people. And God is challenging them through the prophet Malachi to turn back to Him. To come back to Him. He's the faithful God. We are the faithless servants, right? He's, he's saved us, but we continue to go down this path of, of I don't know, the, the, the beaten road, right? We, we just like to make things complicated. And we're challenging God. We're questioning God. And what we see here is we're ending here with comfort. The end of chapter 3, they're specifically coming out of... of Another challenge of God's judgment and His justice. Well, The enemy is prospering. Those who oppose you, those who hate you. God, do you see good and evil? Well, we're actually going to call the, the evil um, a part of God's treasured, treasured possession, right? We, and it says back in chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. Now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. And then we see in verses 16 to the end of chapter uh, 3, that God actually had a people from this broken people group, right? His covenant people. This, isn't, this book is not written to the outside world. This is God's covenant people. And then we see that there are a few of them that fear and esteem His name. And there's a book of remembrance taken for them. He remembers their deeds, not just the bad, but also the good. And He makes this distinction. And then He gives this promise here. For behold, in chapter 4 verse 1, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. Will be stubble. And this idea of stubble, I don't know if you all know this. I, I come across words in the Bible and, and I'm like, I don't get that. Like, maybe you all do, right? Like, I'll just be honest. I'm not like the John Piper and get up here and the, or even Mark, uh, brother Mark Sherry, when he leads the study and he gives us his two weeks of, you know, professional Greek uh, studies and, you know, he's a scholar. Uh, you know, I, I don't do that. So I look at double and I think, what would, what would brother Mark do? I'm going to look up the, the Greek and the Hebrew here, particularly. And I go to it and it's like, 
it's like a corn stalk that's been cut off. So I'm like, oh, like my beard. So it's literally like they will be stubble. They will be cut off. But the interesting thing about this word stubble is that this piece would be super flammable, right? It, it's dried out and it could, it could go up in flames really easily. Some of you all like to start fires with, with gasoline. I like to get the lint out of my dryer, right? It's nice and dry. It catches fire really quick. And that's what this stubble reminds me of, something that sets ablaze really fast, that they'll be cut off. Now look at this. God is promising there will be justice. And let me remind us as, as we move through this text, our idea of justice isn't sitting here like, okay, God will get justice, so my enemy's going to go to hell. Like, that's not what we think about. But we know through all the good and all the bad, everything we experience here in this life, it will be exposed by God. And to those who, who have faith in Jesus Christ and what He accomplished on the cross, they will not face this part of the promise of being set ablaze as the verse will continue to go on. But we do have hope knowing that while we live in a fallen world, God will carry out justice. And He won't carry it out like our court systems who are just like, we need enough evidence. There is nothing that happens under the sun that God does not know. There is nothing that He is not sustaining in this world. And that's a reason we can be thankful. That's a reason to remain faithful. And that's a reason to bless His name each and every day. Amen, church? So we get this promise. And it says, the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. Leave them neither root nor branch. There won't be any piece of them left. Now that doesn't mean like actual perishing. This isn't a doctrine of annihilation where people are just gone and disappear forever. We understand that there's this eternity of separation, this eternity of gnashing of teeth. Again, not a moment to go, yes. Like, if you go like, yes, then you're the Baptist that like we love to have, but like want to like help you see a little bit of the grace, right? Like, that's no, but like, yes, God is is just. But what this tells us is, is that we should be faithful to go out and to share the good news. This, this promise should teach us that we should be urgent in carrying forth the gospel. Because the day is coming. For them, the day was coming that the Messiah would come and He would save His people by paying the price on the cross. But now we look to the second coming of Jesus, which will not be peaceful and will not be fun. And as Lecrae says, he says, if, if, you didn't wanna, if you didn't know Jesus in the first one, you don't want to know Him in the, like the sequel, right? Like You want to know Jesus now because the sequel isn't going to be fun. Like That's revenge episode, right? He's, he's coming back with vengeance. Gary's like, yes! No, for sure. Why? Because God is just. Why? Why is God just in, in doing this? Because He is holy and He has called us and, and He's even given us the way to Him. His Son. But we in our depravity suppress that truth. So this is good. We know that Jesus will set everything straight. And it says, set them ablaze. Set them ablaze and leave them neither root nor branch. Now, this, this promise isn't just for hell, right? 
this is where we can begin to say, but for you who fear my name, this is good news, church, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 2 is, is really interesting in some of the wording and some of the, the imagery we get here. But for you who fear my name, that's pretty simple. But then it says, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. It's, it's really interesting phrasing, and when you, when you study and um, listen to some theologians and, and some of their takes on it, we get the branch of righteousness that would come from the Davidic king, which would be Jesus. We see that the branch of righteousness would be Jesus. And, and when you go back and you read those scriptures that are prophesying this through David, the King David down his lineage, right, would be Jesus. You see that branch being a capital B. So you get the branch of righteousness through the Davidic king. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise. So there's this, this son, this exposing, right? It's like when you're outside and you're in the dark and you can like get away with things. I, I don't know, Aubrey and I love true crime, right? Like those documentaries. And you see a lot of this, like how many of you all have watched the, uh, the Nighttime Stalker yet? The Night Stalker, I think. How many of you all were like around when that happened, like when all that was going down? Okay, got it. And I was watching that. I was like, this is really creepy because he's like sneaking around at, at night and he's going and he's committing all these vile acts. And then you never heard about it when the sun was up. And it made me think, I'm like, well, he could get around a lot easier when it was dark. And the Bible continues to paint this, this picture for us that the sun, right, light exposes things. We are to be a light in the world, right? And that sounds harsh, right? Because that means that we're going to go and expose the darkness. But we are called to do that. We are called to go and be a light. We're called to go, and as Luke said earlier, that it would be this like radiance. Like, not that we're holy, but that people see something is different within us. And it says, the sun of righteousness shall rise, and not just rise, but rise with healing in its wings. This healing is, is closely associated in scriptures to be uh, physical, spiritual, mental. They're all closely related. So that Jesus, the sun of righteousness, shall rise with healing in its wings. So we would be healed by, for them, the coming Messiah, but we would be healed by the Messiah who came and gave his life as a ransom and paid the penalty for his people. And that is good news. There's a promise for them. And this promise even extends to really the second coming. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. Remember still this, this idea of this burning oven. Ashes. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. So there's this, this wording here that is so important for us. Justice may not happen there comes a day where we're not to trample on our enemy here. We are to share the gospel with them. Expose the wickedness and share the truth. Love and with grace. But God, through the prophet Malachi, writes here, you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I says the Lord of hosts. Church, Jesus has sealed the victory for us. But the celebration, though it continues now, will be 
fully seen and fully revealed at a later date. So what do we do in the in-between time? Well, we don't fall back like the Israelites did. We do not fall into complacent worship, lackadaisical worship. We don't fall into disobedience or changing and twisting the Word because it's been 2,000 years since Jesus' resurrection. What's going to happen? And we hear all these debates. When is He coming back? When's He not coming back? It doesn't matter yet. We are to be faithful. Now, we can have ideas, and I encourage you to go and study eschatology, which is end times. Have a good, solid view on it. But we are to remain faithful here and now to every word of God. Because it moves on and it tells us that we are to practice. Point number two. There's not just this promise, but we are to practice. So, so God through the prophet Malachi gives them this encouragement. I will expose what is dark. I will expose the sinfulness of your enemy. I will do all these things. I will heal you. But in verse 4, He tells them what they need to do. Remember the law of My servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Remember God's Word. See, this is something that they began to fail to do. See, the prophets and the priests were, were to, the prophets were, were showing them the law and the priests were to correct them where they had strayed from the law. The priests were to point them back into a holy place of worship. To make these sacrifices. Why? Because they had fallen short of the law. Fallen short of the glory of God. Sinned, and therefore were facing death. But the point here, after the promise, is that they are to practice these things. I can't get into what could be another eight-week series on the law of God, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to our podcast as we've recently tackled the law of God. Do we still obey the, the law of God today? You can answer this one. Yes. Yes. I got Matt sweating. He's, oh, he's looking at me. Yeah. I made eye contact with you. I wear these glasses because I'm nearsighted. No one in the back's getting away from me today. I'm, I'll look way back there, right? Yes, we are to follow the law of God today. The Ten Commandments, do they still matter today? Yes, absolutely. Did Jesus um, fulfill the law? Yes. Did He do away with it? No. We are still to look to every bit of God's Word. Now that has different implications. We can get into some of the nuances and what that means. Do we still need to go out and sacrifice animals? Absolutely not. But this word, verse 4, is still very much applicable to us today. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Remember, we are to be sanctified by truth, Jesus says, and he says, your word is truth. So we are to be in the word. We are to, to remember, even uh, memorize scripture. And if you're like me and you're not good at memorizing, it's all right. But let's begin to, to memorize concepts. Like when we're going through the book of James, what are we talking about? We're talking about faith that does not have works is dead, right? We're talking about true, genuine faith. 
See, James was, was dealing with believers, the early church, and saying, if you are really a believer, we will see fruit. That's what he was saying. So we can begin to understand concepts, even if we cannot remember all the verses. Why is this important to remember these things? Why is it important to, to know how Genesis connects us to Matthew and how Genesis connects us to Hebrews and, and Exodus connects us to um, Malachi? Why are all these things important? Because it's God's Word and every bit of it connects. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been a believer your whole life and you're like, I didn't realize like, there was like this lineage and this timeline and, and these stories actually all connected. That's okay. But how can we begin to connect the dots? How can we begin to better understand the Word of God? By being in it. By proclaiming it and studying it. This word remember, you can actually go and look. It's really interesting that we went with the the word remember. Again, I I did another Mark Sherry. You're going to be proud of me. I'm I'm working my way up. I'm going to be a scholar just like you here soon. You get real red, don't you? I got you blushing now. So I looked up this word again. I'm got to figure out what it, what it means. Remember, it's got to be something like where we're, we're deeply studying. It actually also means to proclaim. What's one good word, like way to remember something? Proclaim it. Confess, profess God's Word. How often do we, do we speak God's Word? Like literally just reading out loud. We remember songs because we listen to it over, over, over. So I don't buy into the fact that I'm bad at memorizing Scripture, right? But I've tried to overcome that by memorizing concepts. But what does that require me to do? To be in and profess, proclaim God's Word frequently, often, consistently. That's the thing. We, we start these, these uh, Bible in a year plans, and if you all do it and you finish it or you don't finish it, whatever, right? But we start it and we're like, Genesis. That was, like, that was like one week. That's week two. Week three. Week four. And it's these huge chunks. And we're not able to connect the dots because we're, we're chewing up so much at one time. It's like when you go to a buffet, right? You're like, oh, I've got to get my money's worth. And it's like we're, we're telling the church, it's like, well, I've got to get my, my spirit's worth, right? I've just got to eat up as much as I can. Oh, sit back and become consistent. As Pastor Gary talks about with giving, when you give, like if you're not used to giving like of your finances, right, tithes and offerings, give a dollar every week. Get consistent. Ask that God would bless that and He would multiply it for our good and for His glory. Same thing with His Word. It tells us here, remember the law of my servant Moses, statutes and rules that I commanded him. All Israel. This is for all of His people. And when we do that, Psalm 119 talks about this. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not. Church, if we want to begin to overcome the sin in our life, we need to turn to the one who overcame our sin for us, who paid the price for our sin. We need to turn to his word and remember it so that, so that we don't feel guilty afterward, but as we've talked about, especially through this series, that we would confront it here and now. We would remember in those moments when we're giving into our lust or our passion or our anger, we would remember what the Word says about those things and we would confront our sin now that we would be practicing our beliefs. The remembering isn't just about remembering. That's why it's important to understand that Hebrew word that also means to proclaim. 
proclaiming God's word, proclaiming his law, proclaiming his statutes. Remembering is like it's easy to remember something and not do it. Proclaiming it and not doing it's another thing. How do we overcome this? We overcome this by preparing. Point number three. Preparing. And a lot of this, this has to do with John the Baptist who was the preparer, the preparer of the way for Jesus, the one who was, who was going out and leading the way. And what was he doing? He was telling people to repent. Be baptized. The Messiah is coming. He was leading the way by doing what the priests were neglecting to do and getting people to repent. Repentance is something that we often forget and neglect because it's been beaten at us for so long. Well, just, just repent. Repent of it. Look, I grew up in a church where it was like we had to repent every time we sinned or we weren't saved again. So we lived in fear. So our repentance wasn't out of, out of um, reverence of God or out of um, obedience to God. It was out of obligation and fear for my life. It was a, the wrong kind of fear of God. But repentance is good, especially if you are a believer. Repentance and confession, confessing to other believers our sin. It goes into our main point, this idea of prepare. That we should repent. Repent. The Lord is coming. And that's exactly what we have here. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. We start with this beautiful Scripture in Malachi 1. This assurance of God's electing, saving love that He's had since before the foundation of the world. For His people, His covenant people. And we end here with this stern warning that Elijah, who we read in the New Testament, is John the Baptist, that he came and he was the one who prepared the way for the Messiah, Jesus. He says, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day. His job was to turn them around. Repentance is all about turning, not simply confessing. Talked about it last week, and my wife was in here, and I, I talked about like our conversations, and uh, she took that as as nagging, right? Like, oh, like you made me sound like I, I nag a lot, and I was like, I was beating myself up. But this reminds me of of those times, and now that she's not in here, I'll just talk about it some more. Is that when something like that happens within our our close relationships? And remember, you don't have to be married to understand this. But if you're married, you really will understand this. And, and remember that the, the Scriptures paint this picture of Christ and the church being the husband and the bride. So it's like if I do something wrong to Aubrey or I know that I'm neglecting in some way and I go and I say, confess, right? Hey, hon, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I even get emotional on that. And then I go about my business and do the same thing. We understand that there was no change. Repentance, church, literally turning the other way. It's not simply a confession. 
Like even professing faith in the name of Jesus is not going to be enough to stand before the Almighty God one day and say, let me in. In church, I'm sure you got the footage somewhere. There's ring cameras around. There's security footage. You're God. You can find that footage. Go find it. I, I went up to the altar that one day. It says even the demons believe in the name of Jesus and they tremble. They shake. Church, true faith will lead us to true faithful and there's this warning here that this is what John the Baptist was coming to do and it says and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers and then the warning lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction if you all would you can, you can turn with me you don't have to I'm going to Luke real quick Luke chapter 1 verse Where we see John the Baptist. And what does John the Baptist do? He does exactly what was prophesied. Verse 16, really. We'll pick up 16 and 17. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He's turning them. The wording is so important of the Bible, right? He's turning them. So there's this sense of physically turning them, right? Without him getting physical, right? He's turning them. And remember, John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. Turning them. That's Him. Are you ready for Him? This is what He did. And He will go before, the, before Him in the spirit and power, and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people, for the Lord, a people prepared. Church, are we prepared if Jesus came back today? I'm not going to get into this emotional, like, televangelist, like, we prepared for the Lord today! But are we prepared for Him? Are we prepared for His second coming? Because just as they had gotten complacent, we look and we see exactly what these covenant people did when Jesus showed up on the scene. He was rejected. He was rejected by His own people. Not a people who, I didn't know you were coming. Not only were they told He was coming, they were told who would come before Him. John the Baptist and the spirit of Elijah. The beauty, this is how the Old Testament and the very next thing to happen, the very next thing is the prophecy. The prophecy of John the Baptist. He came and he prepared the way. So the challenge this morning as we wrap up the book of Malachi, Van, you can go ahead and come back up. Whoever's coming up for a special song we're going to sing. Alright, maybe you're prepared. Maybe you can't wait for Jesus to come back. You're, you're living faithfully. You're reading the Bible. You're living and, and doing life with other believers. You're going to church. You're tithing. Seriously, like, no sarcasm here. You're doing great. And believe me, we as a church are blessed by your presence. We're blessed by one another's presence. You're prepared. And you're longing for that day. How are you preparing others? Coming in the Lord.
Now, there's two ways to do that. One starts with evangelism. As going and telling people that Jesus is coming back. This isn't just something in, in history we read and it's like, it's in the history books. Let me tell you, it's in God's history books that has yet to be written by human history. Other than the Scriptures, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And when He comes back, it's not going to be the way that, that the world seems to remember or write about Jesus. When Jesus comes back, you're going to want to know Him as God. Not as homie, as God. Not simply as your friend that you talk to from time to time, but as your Lord. The one that you treasured above all things. The one you professed faith in. How are we preparing people? So then not just with evangelism, how are we preparing the believer? We're not simply to believe. We're to be discipled. How can someone be discipled if we're not making disciple makers? How are we, as a church family, ready for the next wave of 100 people to come in here one day? Because God's going to do that, church. He's going to bring people in. Not all 100 people will stick. Maybe not all of you will be here. Maybe some of you will be on the wave that we send out with the church plant. Wherever it might be, however God might lead. But if we are not prepared to make disciples, how are we going to be prepared to make disciple makers, to, to be disciple makers, to, to share the gospel, to be the evangelist that God has told us to be? How are we going to do those things? It all starts in our heart, repenting, knowing that the Lord is coming. Church, we're going to sing a song. You all can stay seated for uh, this first song. And I, I really just want us to think about. The, the love of our Almighty Savior. And, and even through the trials, even through the, the uncertainty, the confusion of our flesh, when we see the enemy prosper, pray that we would remain faithful to the Almighty God that saved us and remain faithful to the mission that He's called us to and going and making disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that He's commanded, baptizing them. That is... God's Father, I pray that You would continue to just stir in our hearts. God, for, for us believers, God, those You've saved this morning, I pray that we would look to Your Word and we would seek change in our life. Nothing that can be done on our own. I pray that we would not lean on our own strength, lean on our own understanding. God, that we would lean into the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. God, and that He would sanctify us. I pray that You would continue to just inform us. God, change our hearts. God, help us to not have a heart of hate for our enemy. God, a heart of grace. Even as we're despised, even as they despise You, that we would be faithful we would be bold sharing your good news. Pray that we would teach people to repent for coming back. I pray that we would, we would rest in your promises knowing that the best is yet to come. And I pray that we would, we would be practicing believers. Living out every bit of our faith. 
And in the areas where we fall short, God, that we would, we would lean on one another for accountability. And we would lean on your Holy Spirit strength to overcome that time. Pray that we together as a church family would prepare for your second coming through the discipling of other believers, the evangelism to the non-believers. God, that you would be glorified all that we do here. You would be put into perspective. Father, we look to you in this time and all times, asking for guidance, praising you for what you've done for us. Father, we love you, we praise you, and ask all these things in Jesus' name.